Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Picture Rewind, the special series here on Oscar Central, in which Lex and I discuss previous Best Picture winners during the Oscars offseason. And today we are discussing a film that neither of us were very excited for because it is a repeat um, by one of the writers of our least favorite Best Picture winner thus far. Today we are talking about Million Dollar Baby. How are you doing, Lex? I'm good. Um... I'm glad that at least after this episode, we'd never have to talk about a Best Picture winner from Paul Haggis ever again. Okay, truly, that is the silver lining. I feel like, in a way, we're getting over a hump. Like, we got these over with early, so now we don't have to worry about them anymore. Exactly. Um, I just wish that we didn't have to talk about them at all. <laughs> Same. Uh. But for those who don't know, Billion Dollar Baby is a American sports drama from Warner Brothers. It was released on December 15th in 2004, a really cheery Christmas time film. It was directed, co-produced, scored, and starred Clint Eastwood. Um, and it had a, has a screenplay by our friend Paul Haggis. Uh, it is based on the collection of stories rope burns stories from the corner by fx tool which is the pen name of jerry boyd which came out in 2000 uh and it also stars hillary swank uh, morgan freeman and inexplicably anthony mackie and michael pena are there paul haggis stay away from michael pena he deserves better um but it's about this woman named maggie who's like an amateur boxer who after a, a much longer time in this movie than it needed to be convinces a trainer named frankie um whose studio she's studio is that what you call it i mean this is i'm already revealing that i don't know sports um boxing gym. yeah it's a boxing, boxing gym. gym okay i box um well he, she convinces him to train her and she like finally makes it to the big leagues um and i'm just gonna say now this episode is going to have spoilers it's a movie from like 2004 i don't feel bad about that um but basically, as soon as she makes it big, she's taken out by an injury in the ring. Uh, this movie did very well, both critically and at the box office. It made $216.8 million worldwide. Um, this is an interesting one because I was looking on Letterboxd and I feel like my views on this are like quite the opposite to a lot of people on there. Um, this actually is like very well reviewed on Letterboxd and stuff. Um but I hated it. What did you think? <laughs> I mean, if we're using Crash as the litmus test, yeah, this was leagues better than Crash. True, um, true. I found it at least like watchable. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I found it at least watchable. Whereas Crash, I like wanted to turn it. I was like in physical pain over how much I wanted to turn it off. Um. I didn't I didn't understand that I don't really understand the hype though I wouldn't necessarily call this like best picture worthy for sure and like we'll get into it but like I think that there was a clear winner for best picture that year that didn't get it and I'm like yeah. that's interesting um I love Hillary Swank I always have um I thought yeah. her performance in this was good um I wasn't like I don't know. I took some issues with her character, but I didn't yes. necessarily hate her performance. Um, and I, I'm not, a, I don't, Clint Eastwood's voice, just every time I watch a Clint Eastwood thing, I feel like I'm watching an SNL 
<laughs> and it could be the most serious thing in the world. And I'm like, this is an SNL bit. Because even here, where like the way he's talking, he's like, girls don't box. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, oh, got him. And, so, and it's, yep. I don't know. There's something about his voice where he almost sounds like, I know he's a legend. I know he, whatever. It sounds like I don't he, care. He's, he sounds like he's like parroting himself. I don't know. Yeah. I, literally just the sight of his face makes me mad and that that's like maybe a little bit mean but like i feel like the thing is that he looks and sounds exactly what you would expect like a racist old white dude to look and sound like and he's not really doing that much to beat those allegations um so there it is i don't like clint eastwood movies like i've watched multiple of them i just don't like how he directs things i don't think he's a very good actor like I think in this, he gave a very one-note performance the entire time. It was one-note the entire time. And he was nominated for Best yeah. Actor, which I saw that and was like, whoa. Which um, is for what? For, for what? what? Like, for what? Like, Bill Hader parroting Clint Eastwood on SNL would do better. Yeah. Um, I mean, it went to Jamie Foxx for Ray, which, like, I'm bad I'm bad I'm about um but it, i don't know i like what what performance what was there truly like, doesn't really take beef with hillary swank winning like i don't love it but i'm not like i'm like okay i'll take right. it but him i don't even think warranted a nomination like i think that hillary swank gives a good performance i do feel like there's a little bit of that element of everyone's like oh wow it's such a great performance because she plays this like tomboy <laughs> you know what i mean it's like wow a woman boxer um and it's like okay calm down um but really i will say and this is funny because it's like back to my beef with paul haggis um although i i also do feel like some of this is a clint eastwood thing um but most of my issues are with the script and the story that they're telling and like for one thing, how many weird stereotypes they managed to hit on, like her white trash hillbilly family, it, and that it yeah. so many stereotypes in like even the first five minutes where a guy from uh, gosh, what is that guy's name? Um, he was in Power of the Dog, and he was in oh, El- oh my god, was that the guy? Do you know who I'm talking about? The um, no. No, it. Hang on. He. Please hold. Okay. Please hold. I could totally have him. Totally com- danger. Danger. Uh, that dude who was not in Power of the Dog. He, he was, was not. Like, You're thinking of Cody Smith McPhee, and he does kind of. Look he like looks him. like Cody Smith McPhee. Um, yeah. This guy was in. Uh, this is the end. And the Sorcerer's Apprentice, starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, I'm very sorry to everyone who listened and was like, "You idiot! This guy was not. That's not Cody Smith McPhee. You freaking idiot." um no if this uh, movie was made now though cody smith if he would play that role the way, <laughs> the way that i thought that cody smith mcphee when i watched power of the dog is like is that the guy from sorcerer's apprentice starring nicholas cage um <laughs> no but danger like the way that he first approaches morgan freeman and mm-hmm. is like i have an over exaggerated southern accent but don't worry i'm not a racist i'm like uh i i, mm, <laughs> I don't also oh. the way that he later gets the um r word thrown at him yeah um well the way he just openly says the n word and then he gets the r word. i'm like this is one of those moments where i feel like you're using these words and I, I get that it's like 
it, we're you're we're not supposed to like it's not it's not like endorsing it but it's also it's not like, endorsing it but it's also not necessary I don't it's not necessary like I don't really know why that's there and I also don't think that it's like I you know it's not the thing of like just showing something doesn't endorse it but I also think if you show it and you don't show that it's bad whenever we're talking about something like using a slur like that's kind of a problem no um, I will say I'm not saying it's okay but I feel yeah. like in 2004 like the r word was thrown like my my middle school people were calling each other that oh like, yeah yeah I think to some level like a lot of it was like it just the culture was I, very different and I thought about that but then I was like mm, I also feel like it's still really bad because they're throwing it at someone that like I think the character is sort of coded to have some sort of like learning disability um you know what I mean it's like they're not just throwing it out as like a generic insult yeah I mean I don't know it like the whole thing just I don't but, know like, like what would we expect from the man who wrote crash right that's my thing is like yeah coming from a man that like really thinks he's doing something by means of social justice but yeah doesn't really do anything um but I, I mean I don't know I will say like I don't care for sports movies Me um, so this just wasn't my genre to begin with the fact that I like my one if I could give it one word for a review and I say watchable we're doing all right for a yeah. film. I thought it was kind of boring in like large sections I think it's way over long like I think it that that whole beginning section before he finally agrees to train her before he finally stops being a sexist pig and it's like i guess a woman can box since you won't leave um is way too long way too long like and for what um also do you want to know my favorite thing that i found while researching for this podcast is that i'm not gonna attempt to pronounce it but the like gaelic that's written on her thing is apparently spelled wrong (laughs) there you go which just really cracked me up. I was like, that's the level of care put into this film. Um, her, like, hillbilly stereotype of a family was truly something. Also, I, coming, being someone from West Virginia, like, yeah. I can't handle, like, stereotypes of, like, hillbillies, because I'm like, yep, you, and listen, I know, I know, I know that, like, in terms of offensive stereotypes, there have been way worse ones out in the world but it's like it drives me crazy when people like people have this idea of like what people from particular parts of the country can be like and like yes to some extent sometimes stereotypes are warranted um or not necessarily warranted but earned or based on something Um, yeah and i'm from west virginia so trust me when i say that i know i i know but at the same Mm -hmm. time like it's just i i I can always tell when like someone writes like a southern or a hillbilly or whatever character and I'm like you've never actually interacted with someone from the south or someone from you know the Appalachia or wherever Um, because it also almost every time you see one of those stereotypes too there's like a a classist element to it of Mm -hmm. like and you see it in this movie of like her family who they don't like want her to give them stuff because they could lose their welfare and they like her mom being like oh well like if you give me this house I'm gonna lose my welfare checks that I need to keep getting because I don't want to actually like work for anything or whatever and it's like 
oh my god like it's it's I I found that all to be like so offensive um and there are other ways to show that she has a family that like doesn't really care about her than like making it a like classist like hillbilly stereotype I also felt like the whole thing of like she's the poor waitress with ambition and a heart of gold and like did you notice that like the opponent I think it is that like is the one who injures her is like an ex-prostitute from like I want to say it was like eastern Europe or something and I was like are we we really doing that like Yeah. yeah Um, while we're talking about it being offensive, I thought that I would share, um, this movie had disability rights activists protesting it, um, in early 2005 because of the ending of the film, um, which I, I gave a warning, but once again, spoiler warning, um, essentially this movie ends by, she gets, like, really injured in a, um, in, like, the big million dollar fight, whatever, and she is so injured and can't like do anything and they're like trying to like you know nurse her back to health and whatnot but she eventually decides that she would rather have Frankie help her commit suicide than continue living with this like disability um and so the disability rights education fund actually released a statement in february of 2005 which said perhaps the most central stereotype fueling disability prejudice is the mistaken assumption inherent in the message of the movie that the quality of life of individuals with disabilities is unquestionably not worth living this stereotype is contradicted by the personal experience of many thousands of people who significant disabilities in this country and around the world who view our own lives as ordinary and normal. It is further contradicted by plenty of hard data. Research overwhelmingly shows that people with disabilities find satisfaction in their lives to the same degree or greater than does the general public. And there were protests in like Chicago and Berkeley and a bunch of other cities against the movie because of that. And I also really had an issue with like the way that they frame it, especially because um, we're seeing that like, you know, there's obviously the moment that earlier in the film, she was like, boxing is all I have. Um, I was like, okay, I see where this is going. Um, But she has this connection with Frankie and she has this connection with, I cannot remember his name, but Morgan Freeman's character. And so I feel like, she's not so like lost and alone that there's nothing there and it just it really bothered me because I feel like there's so many other ways that they could have ended the movie and it not have been as offensive Mm. um but there's so much in this movie that just like I would sum up by saying it felt unnecessary like the whole plot line around like him going to the church uh yeah and it had no real resolution like that was the thing is like it wanted because like she when she's in the hospital like she prays to god and Mm -hmm. and it's just like okay (laughs) yeah i was like oh we're done like it wanted to touch on spirituality but it's like eh, yeah yeah and not even in like a in a like and then the character realizes that there's nothing out there or like and then you know like this character found god and didn't or searched for god and didn't find god it was like this character searched for god one time felt like (laughs) it And like he, he liked on? to go, he liked to go piss off the priest. He, like, yeah, he would get in these arguments with the priest for fun. But um, like, 
it just and I felt like that character and I know that like that's maybe part of the point is like this whole like stagnation or whatever but frankly that is not interesting to see in a film like this and yeah. I feel like the character of Frankie Clint Eastwood's character just like doesn't go anywhere he goes which absolutely is nowhere super uninteresting for the like one of the co-leads of your movie right. um like it's it's not really a problem that like Morgan Freeman's character doesn't really go much of anywhere because like what's the Morgan Freeman's character even doing narrating and that's it like i don't know <laughs> like um he's he's there he literally he's just there to reinforce what a nice person would do so that we can contrast it with whatever clint eastwood's character is doing wow. um also i felt like the relationship between them was really like weird like i and like yeah okay i get it his what is his arc just that like he learns that sometimes girls can box too like yeah like i don't know it didn't go well the one time he tried to train a female boxer so right and then he never goes back to training for boxing again i feel like this film is like needlessly depressing like it's it's the kind of thing where it's like it's so depressing and for what yeah and for what like what lesson is it trying to teach and it's one thing like if you there are plenty of films that are very depressing that i think are like depressing in a way that is like earned like something like all quiet on the western front that is meant to show you you know make a statement about like the futility of war and how like war is inherently bad and whatever or like something like judy even though that's a bad movie but still it's to show you like look at what judy garland went through in her life and that has some like purpose where i was like what is the purpose of this like that was my thing is like i was never really given a reason to care about anything i truly did not care about any character in it other than maybe morgan freeman but i was just like my dude get away from these people <laughs> like yeah. they suck um and like i guess maggie like hillary swank's character she's not it's not that she's completely unlikable it's that we're not really given like enough character there to make us root for her more yeah and i also i will say like i know that part of it is my bias because i also find like competitive boxing like this to just be kind of how do I put this I don't want to say it's stupid but like I feel this way about any sport where there is that much risk of permanent injury Mm -hmm. like I'm also anti-American football um because I simply do not think it is worth putting your life in that much danger for sport um so that also I was like struggling to figure out like why I should want her to become a boxer yeah yeah it's just... the other thing is like I didn't really understand like she was like oh boxing's my life and I'm like okay like I go I go to the boxing gym a couple times a week like it's a great stress reliever I'm not like put me in the ring coach like yeah. <laughs> right oh i'd rather not but i also felt like i never saw her have in like saw her i never yeah i never saw her have any like emotion towards like she never like got into any like reason why she liked it yeah i like yeah it was it was there it's a movie it is the epitome of a movie that i will never watch again um but let's talk about oscars are are you good if i transition no, out of okay so these were the 77th 
annual Academy Awards. Uh, they were held on February 27th of 2005, and they were hosted by Chris Rock. It was his first time hosting, and he infamously um, managed to insult a bunch of people. Um, and Jude Law, like, really took offense to it because he basically called him a bad actor. And, like, a bunch of Jude Law's friends were, like, really offended by it, and... Chris Rock, like, later, like, kind of, like, doubled down on it, and it was just all a mess, and basically, like, whatever you think of the Will Smith incident, I think we should all agree that Chris Rock should never come near the Oscars again. Yeah. No, um, because every time, like, Chris Rock is one of those people who thinks that, like, comedy is just, like, picking on people, and I don't vibe with that. Um, most importantly, Josh Groban performed the song from the Polar Express with Beyonce, um i hate the polar express wait same but i love that song it is a good song i love josh groban and i love beyonce and i gotta look that performance up i bet you really should the audience to tears let's talk about how the polar express is actually a terrifying movie it's so scary that is bad motion capture that's it's 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 okay i was literally thinking it's worse than cats it is uncanny valley like it's, it's I don't, scary. I don't like it. That one kid in particular, do you know the one that I mean? The nerdy one. really terrifies me. Yeah. The nerdy I'm one. so the afraid of like, him. Did you know this train's going at a million miles a minute? I'm like, Ugh. Like, I have thoughts about that kid that I feel like I shouldn't say on air. I but I'll tell you. <laughs> always laugh when um the little girl is like just standing on the back of the train singing about Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, yes. You're so weird. That freaking hot okay. song raises my blood pressure. I'm truly everything about it is so scary to me. Like the I, the train I conductor the dude, I was positive he was gonna stab someone. Um did that win? Yeah. No. Okay, so that no. wasn't even nominated for an animated feature. Yeah. Um, thank God. The Incredibles won, as it should have. Though Shrek 2 was nominated, and that is also yeah. a wonderful movie. Right. Um, also, I I do feel like I need to clarify. Polar Express is a great book. It's just the movie that I have problems with. I don't remember the book. It's been a minute. The book and... is really charming and lovely, and nothing like the film. I I mean, I did. I remember being like in kindergarten, and we read the book in school, and then we all mm-hmm. got in the hallway and went on the Polar Express. And the thing is, like, there was no real effects. Um, which unlike Megan Trainer, I have respect for teachers. Um, so God bless my teachers for trying. But we were at a really underfunded school district. So I um, remember we all went in the hallway and the teachers were like, Do you look out the window and see a polar bear? And I I was a child that had a vivid imagination, but also needed to be told things very literally. And so I was like, No, that's the wall. Um so <laughs> but even that was better than the polar express movie we also did polar express day at my school and we all got to drink hot chocolate and eat marshmallows yeah we got hot chocolate we just had had the book read to us looking at polar bears or santa yeah they they didn't even try that with us they were like just have some marshmallows um and (laughs) in any case now they've derailed us um derailed us like that like the train and like the train when it goes on that ice too true 
Um, so The Aviator was nominated for 11 awards, and Finding Neverland and Million Dollar Baby were both nominated for seven awards, and Ray was nominated for six. Um, Million Dollar Baby was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, lol, and Best Film Editing. Um, The Aviator won five awards, as it should. Million Dollar Baby won four awards. The Incredibles and Ray both won two. And Million Dollar Baby won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, and Best Supporting Actor. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I would take away literally all of those awards. <laughs> um, like I love Morgan Freeman, but what is what is he doing? Literally, why did he win for this? Like, what is he doing in it? I I don't think like looking at Best Actress. The thing is, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. We have yeah. Kate Winslet for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes. Come on. Um, I find yes. it interesting that you have Kate Winslet, but you don't have Jim Carrey. Which um, I'm like, okay, so easy if we're replacing things here. You give it to Jim Carrey. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is gone and Jim Carrey gets his nomination. Yeah. And, you know, I might even actually, you know who I think I would give it to this mm-hmm. year? Sorry to Jamie Foxx. I would give it to John Chettle for Hotel Rwanda. Like um, he was, he was very good. Honestly, like you know what, Clint Eastwood is not good. I would take him out, and I would give Jim Carrey a mm-hmm. um, nomination for Eternal. It's just like if you're gonna nominate Kate Winslet, and don't get me wrong, right. she's fantastic, but like so is J- Jim Carrey, right? Like I support that. And but like, I feel like they what makes it there. so good is what they're doing in that movie together. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's very interesting to me. Um, I also am now realizing I've never seen this film being Julia that Annette Benning is nominated for that year. I haven't seen that. But it looks like something I would love. It's Annette Benning and Jeremy Irons in 1938 London. And she's like a theater actress. There you go. Like, that sounds amazing. I need to watch this. I Um, also take any controversy aside. Like, I'm not... Listen, Finding Neverland is one of my favorite movies. Like, like I, it's a great I'll say movie. It. Like, I'm not <laughs> mad about the movie itself. I don't think Johnny Depp is, like, giving that great of a performance in it, though. Do you know why I think this performance was noteworthy? Mm-hmm. It's because if you think about in that point in his career, and this is going to, like, sound funny when I first say it, but, like, truly think about it. He's coming off of doing, like, Pirates of the Caribbean and Sleepy Hollow and like all of these sort of he'd been like Edward Scissor's hands like he'd been for like a solid decade I mean really since the start of his career doing a lot of these like really weird out there roles and I genuinely think it's part of that like Finding Neverland is one of the like most normal roles he has played which is funny because he's playing J.M. Barry but like I genuinely think it was a moment of like people being like, oh, right, he can actually act, not just like play weird characters. Uh, I mean, I'd still give it to him over Clint Eastwood. I mean, same. But I actually do think he's like decent in it. No, he's decent in it. I just don't think it's Oscar worthy. Like, I don't know. I think, listen, I don't want to like dwell on Johnny Depp on this podcast, but (laughs) if there's any performance he gave that was Oscar worthy, it was Jack Sparrow. Yeah. in the in first, first in the first part of the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, and I think he was nominated for it. Um, 
I think so. Yeah. for this, Sweeney Todd and Jack Sparrow. Yeah. And of those three, only one's really worthy of it. Yeah, I would agree with it. But we'll move on from Johnny Depp. Don't want to like stay there for two. <laughs> Um, yeah, but like, no, my point being is I would either take Johnny Depp or Clint Eastwood out and I would put, um, Jim Carrey in for Eternal Sunshine, but like, I'm not necessarily mad at Jamie Foxx winning for Ray. Okay. And here's my thing. I love Morgan Freeman, but I think like in my ideal I'm to Alan world, Alda. Okay. That's what I was going to say. And I'm like a huge Alan Alda fangirl. Like I love Alan Alda. Um, so I'm a little bit biased, but also it's wild to me that Alan Alda doesn't have an academy award um and i feel like morgan freeman should have one for something other than this yeah like frankly, i would give yeah like i would almost every win right best picture i'd yeah. give it to the aviator same. uh director i give it to scorsese same um actress i'm fine with i guess like, I'm fine with that, but I would rather it go to Kate Winslet. I would rather it go to Kate Winslet. Um, I also have not seen Vera Drake, but I would love for Imelda Staunton to be an Academy Award winner, and I don't think she is. She was nominated so. the same year she was in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. That's crazy. Um, supporting actor, Ava de Alan Alda. Um, then... What else? I would give supporting actor i'm trying to remember sofia canito in hotel rwanda because my initial thought is that i might give it there but i'm not mad with kate blanchett winning it the thing is like i love love that's my favorite um that's my favorite kate blanchett performance is in the aviator the thing is that she could win for like any character she's ever played and i'd be like yeah she deserves it <laughs> I feel like she's so consistently good. Yeah. And it didn't win for adapted screenplay. Thank God. Thank God. It shouldn't be nominated. No. I'm not seeing. You know, do you know what would be a better nominee than mm -hmm. Million Dollar Baby? And I mean this with my whole chest. Mm -hmm. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Like. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I'm not Maybe seeing the. Um nominees for adopted screenplay besides million dollar baby and like Funny. i'm not saying that i would have it win but it would be a better nomination because i do think prisoner of azkaban is the best adapted of all of the harry potter movies yeah um i i've actually not seen before sunset but that is also one of those weird ones where like it's only in this category because it's a sequel yeah why is my also oh right it's based off of rope burns yeah yeah it shouldn't be here that script is doing nothing um i hope you're hungry for nothing for nothing yeah i and then what else is it nominated for there's something else it's very funny to me that learn to be lonely from fan of the opera was nominated also this is the fan of the opera year like wild um, um also the year that lemony snicket's a series of unfortunate events was nominated for best score and wait yes and best art direction i was gonna mm -hmm. fucking say mm -hmm. if that was and makeup and was it oh it cost of design yeah i was okay honestly jim carrey having that and eternal sunshine good like, year for iconic. jim carrey also a good I, year for kate winslet having finding never landing eternal sunshine like yeah. well done 
I love a series of unfortunate events. Um, that tracks. I, like, I was going to say, I feel like that that was like, besides Harry Potter, like the first book series I really got into as a kid. Um, and when that movie came out, I like, that was one of the first movies I saw, like, I think I went to a midnight showing of it or something. Oh, I uh, love that. And the co- I'm still obsessed with, I still think that movie is so funny. And I think Jim Carrey is hit or miss with me. Like when he mm-hmm. misses, he really misses. I think- Eternal Sunshine shows like that he's got serious actor chops. Yeah. But Serious Unfortunate Events is one of his funniest movies, and I will fight anyone who tries to come for me on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I... I'm glad to learn that was a four-time nominated film. Yeah, no kidding. I'm also glad that I feel like Fan of the Opera got all the nominations that it should have. Which is to say it didn't get makeup because that's embarrassing. Um, uh, huh. Um, but the uh, uh, series Unfortunate Events got makeup. No, what I'm saying is like, I'm glad that Phantom didn't get makeup because oh, I good, hate good, the makeup good. in that movie. His like little, his, his deformity that mm-hmm. just looks like a peeling sunburn is the yeah. bane of my existence. Um, but I am very glad that I'm looking at this costume lineup and honestly, I would have switched out Troy um for fan of the opera which like i don't know if there's rules around being nominated twice in that category maybe there is because alexandra byrne another person who had a a really good year she had finding neverland and fan of the opera um alexandra byrne is also one of my favorite costume designers as is sandy powell so this is just a great year um i also really love colleen atwood as a costume designer and i'm really glad that a series of unfortunate events got in there too. Listen, um, Violet wears a dress in that that I, to this day. Yes. For 20 years, I've thought about Violet Beauregard's dress. You uh, know, not Beauregard. That's a, that's Willy Wonka. I'm sorry. Violet yeah. Baudelaire. Like, wait. <laughs> the second I saw um, it, said it, I was like, that's not right. Do you know what else I would take from Million Dollar Baby? Is that film editing nomination? Yeah. Um, that win is very important to me because we love Thelma um, in this house, this house of Oscar Central. We love Thelma. Um, and that's a great win for the aviator. But like, I don't think that Million Dollar Baby is particularly well edited. Um, as a matter of fact, I think that it's pacing. is like one of its biggest issues. Um, and you could literally throw in anything else. And I'd be like, yeah, Drax. Um, I'm so sorry to take this back to costume design again. No, go ahead. Um, but do you know what Colleen Atwood has designed? Like looking at her resume, I'm like, wait a minute. Things Colleen make Atwood she's is done an Chicago designer. She's done Big Fish. She's done um Sweeney Todd, which she did the nineteen ninety four Little Women. She did the nineteen ninety four Little Women. Helena Bottom Carter's Mrs. Love addresses. I think about them all the time. She did um, Sleepy Hollow, which has incredible costumes. She did the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland. She did Dark Shadows. She's worked with Tim Oh my Burton god, Into the Woods. Into the Woods. She's worked yeah. with Tim Burton a lot, which makes a ton of sense. Um, And she's oh. going to be doing The Little Mermaid. Also, she did Top Gun Maverick, which is mm. nice, because thank you for everything that you put Glenn Powell in. Um, Colleen, you're a real one. Um... Yeah, she's she works with Tim Burton and Rob Marshall a lot, which is iconic. Um, this is such a, a she did like, the costumes for Wednesday. Oh my god! Of course she did. I really like 
most of the costumers who are nominated this year. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm like trying to look. Yeah, I don't like Bob Ringwood's work. Um, no offense, but not a fan. Um, but the other ones I really love. Alexander Byrne is like my personal favorite, but I also love Sandy Powell because how do you not love Sandy Powell? Very true. Um, and I think that's a good win. Like, also, think- that's the year that Spider Man 2 won for best visual effects, which I totally. I was just looking at that. Um, Doc Ock, love of my life. Oh um, my God. You know, you know who we should put into best supporting Alfred actor? Molina. Alfred Molina. Um, in this household, we love Alfred MVP. Molina. <laughs> um does it yeah does it no alfred molina does deserve an oscar nomination for spider-man too honestly i, I would good, do it that's a damn good performance it is it is i god i wow. forgot how much i love alfred molina i'm also just sitting here like this is one of those years where like it's not a year that i like a lot of the oscar lineup in terms of like like the big hitters, but I'm like, damn. The 2004 movies. What a great like year for film. Um, you know what I would immediately do actually with the best picture lineup mm-hmm. is like not even joking. I would take out Million Dollar Baby and put in Hotel Rwanda. Yeah, and then I would have the Aviator win. But I also I just like why did Clint Eastwood win director for this? I don't think it's particularly well directed, especially really- not when Marty's sitting Marty's right there easy. with the yeah, aviator. That's the thing. Like, as I also just don't want to give Clint Eastwood a four. Yeah. Um. You know. Yeah, but also. But also, um, listen, Clint Eastwood has directed one of my least favorite films of all time, uh, American Sniper, and I will never forgive him for it. And this one did not help his case. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, is there anything else to be said? Mm-hmm. I, I think we've made it very clear we don't think it's a worthy best picture winner. <laughs> like, the thing is, like, I don't really, like, it's just so... Uh, that like I don't even really have anything else to I say. think it's it's so boring it's not advancing like the art form of cinema in any way shape or form and I don't think it's like even particularly well done like I there's better boxing movies like yeah watch Creed watch Creed watch watch Rocky I mean for fuck's sake watch Rocky like watch a, you know yeah. what's a damn good boxing movie what Billy Elliot yeah watch Billy Elliot what <laughs> You know what? I'd like to make a plea to the American theater. Yeah. Uh, oh. Please revive Amer- or Billy Elliot. Do you know who was in Billy Elliot in the West End? And I'm um, not actually talking about Tom Holland right now. Yeah. This is more on brand for me. Mm-hmm. Killian Donnelly. Was he, was he the brother? Yeah. See, the way that I know. Okay, actually, though, you want to know who was in Billy Elliot in the West End at the same time as Tom Holland? No. Yeah. Dean Charles Chapman, my son from 1917, he and Tom Holland played Billy Elliot at the same time. Listen, my favorite thing in the world, in the world, when I'm feeling a little blue, I mm-hmm. look up Tom Holland, Billy Elliot, and have I ever found like a bootleg? No, but first yeah, of if all, you find a slime tutorial, let me know of them being like 
do you sing in the show? And he looks at them like, are you fucking ready for this? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. I can't really explain it. <laughs> um, the other thing that like I can't handle is that like clearly being Spider-Man has like watered that man's accent down. Yeah. Because I straight up couldn't understand him in some of the like press videos he did for Billy Elliot. If he's you, so pure. If you watch it, he's like, yeah, my mate told me that I was going to be Billy Elliot. And I was like, yeah, fair deuce. <laughs> it's like, Okay, it's also kind uh, of wild whenever you think about how, like, him doing the impossible is not that much longer than him no. playing, like, not that much past him playing Billy Elliot. Like, yeah. I, oh, what a time. I love, I love Billy Elliot. I, I same, same. My currently, um, according to Spotify, Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher is like living in my on repeat. Um, That's iconic. I love that. I have loved that song <laughs> since I was fourteen, and I didn't know who Maggie Thatcher or Margaret Thatcher was <laughs> when I was fourteen. I was fourteen when I saw Billy Elliot, and that song "Merry Christmas." That's like the Act Two opener, and yeah. I was like, "This is a bop and a half," and I oh did God. not know what it was about. And so my dad used to drive my sister and I to school in the mornings before I got my license and we would listen to Billy Elliot and I'd be like, dad, play it. Like my sister and I would be like, play it, play it, play it, play it. Like I remember like kicking my dad's seat and being like, play it. Oh my God. And so he'd put on Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher. And my sister and I would jam so hard and we'd be sitting there being like, Michael Hesseltine, you Dory Spine. I love that so, like I genuinely mean it. We didn't know what that. any of that meant. And so at one point, my dad, my dad is a big history buff, is like, do you know who Margaret Thatcher was? And I was like, don't care. This is a buff. That's <laughs> like, so iconic. I could not have cared less who Margaret Thatcher was. I just wanted to listen to that bop of the song. And recently I rediscovered it. And I was like, damn, this is a catchy song. And now I get it. And now I'm like, ah, yeah, boy. I'm not joking. After this podcast, I'm going to go listen to it. God. <laughs> I want to perform it as a dramatic monologue. <laughs> if we ever make a Patreon, that's what's going on. I, <laughs> listen, join my Patreon where it's just me singing different renditions of Mary Catcher <laughs> from Billy Elliot. And the Bare Necessities. <laughs> and the Bare Necessities, that's right. You know what? I would like to have a sing-off with Tom Hiddleston where we sing Bare Necessities <laughs> and then we sing Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher. Do you think he knows it? Um, I, I don't think he does. I'm going to put money on. I don't think he does. I think he's going to learn it. And I think he's going to try to sound too much like a crooner when he's singing it. <laughs> like, Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher. And I'll be like, no, <laughs> this is a burn track. <laughs> this is 1980s coal miners in England in their reputation era. I'm here to serve it's it's hamilton's cabinet battle before it was a thing it i'm i'm re-watching the crown and i'm on the season with like the minor strikes and margaret thatcher oh and, iconic and i just every time i listen to it or every time i watch it i'm like oh, gotta listen that's why it's on my on repeat playlist is because every time i get to that makes sense a scene with margaret thatcher i'm like Boy, do you know what are like spiritual sisters that song and what is the name of the song in annie the like herbert hoover song oh um it's called like merry christmas herbert hoover yeah something like is that, that actually what it's called it's, it's something... something like that it's like or it's a new... Like... no it's like a new deal for christmas no that's a different one. Oh. <laughs> oh, we'd like to thank you herbert hoover okay 
A New Deal for Christmas is a song in Annie. It's just a different song. Right. <laughs> but we'd like to thank you, Herbert Hoover. That and Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher, are cousins, essentially. Um, I remember my dad saying that my because the the end where they're like you're a tosser you're a wanker and you're just a Tory swine. My dad was like, "Hey, you probably shouldn't say wanker," and we were like, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> you know the accents in Billy Elliot. I'm sorry. I love how I decided to make this episode about Million Dollar Baby about Billy Elliot, but here we are. Um, the accents in Billy Elliot are so thick. Yeah, my sister and I were so like young when we saw it that we didn't know like half of what they were saying, and so yep. it really was not until a few months ago when I was when I revisited <laughs> Billy Elliot and was like, oh, and Solidarity, which is my second favorite song on Billy Elliot, freaking love so it. good. It that yep. slaps. Um, there's a part where he, where they say when you were on the picket line, we went and fucked your misses, and I thought they were saying like when you're on the picket line you it was something like you i thought they were saying like you went and thought about kisses because their accents are so thick that like when i was listening to it just a few months ago i was like oh i was there were so many things in that musical my sister and i would sing about in electricity he says confused and all mixed up and mad as hell but with his super thick accent my sister thought he was saying and mad as hand and I just remember my dad like cr- almost crashing the car because my sister was saying after we finished our smashing rendition of Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher, she put on, he puts on electricity and my sister's like confused and all mixed up and mad as hand. My dad almost crashed the car. He was like, what do you think he's saying? <laughs> my dad's like, what does that even mean? You're mad as hand. <laughs> I love that so much. Anyways, like, <laughs> like me talking about Billy Elliot is still more fun than Million Dollar Baby. By a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Give me an Oscar for talking about Billy Elliot. Anyways, if you want a boxing film, watch Billy Elliot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I Okay, so what is your letter rating for, like, letter I'll grade transition for... Transition from Billy Elliot. <laughs> Listen, I'm just like, we're done with Million Dollar Baby. We got we to gotta wrap it up and, and get out of here before I truly turn this into a billy elliot episode um we should turn it into billy billy i know i know but we we gotta we gotta finish with paul haggis we gotta Um, kick this man to the curb this is true okay um i give it a c minus i'm gonna give it a what did i oh my god what did i give crash i know i gave crash like an f minus so yeah all right i'm gonna give this a d plus and then I'm going to say it's a bad Best Picture win. Do you think it is It's a, it's great? a bad Best Picture win. Okay. <laughs> Aviator was right there. Even Ray Honestly, was right there. Ray was right there. Oh, Rwanda was right there. Finding Neverland would have been a better pick than this. You had so many options and you went for the worst one. Yeah. You Josh really Urban and Beyonce it. singing was right there. <laughs> Billy, what, what year did Billy Elliot the movie come out? I was literally just thinking that. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, 2000. Damn it. Prisoner of Azkaban would have been a better winner than Million Dollar Baby. I said what I said. If people hate that, then I don't care. <laughs> Not that we don't endorse K. Rowling, but... No. We also don't endorse Clint Eastwood either, so... We endorse it's a lot Clint- of people. It's a lot of people from this year that we don't endorse. We don't endorse... Uh, or we do endorse Billy Elliot. We do. Mm-hmm. We don't endorse Margaret Thatcher. I was literally thinking that. <laughs> but we do endorse Holland. 
we endorse Elton John, even if he apparently has a pop up in the UK where like everything is over. This is the thing: is I saw this TikTok where Elton yeah. John has a pop up in the UK where like the cheapest thing is forty pounds, but most oh. things are like a hundred plus pounds. Oh, geez. and I'm like, it's a little ironic, isn't it, that you're yeah. over there writing about Margaret Thatcher lowering the rates of pay? Yeah, like, like you did it, Elton John. No shade, love you though. Capitalism gets to us all. Capitalism gets to us all. Uh, d- Anyways, Karen Everton should have been nominated for an Oscar. Uh- <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know what I look forward to? Never talking about Paul Haggis ever again. Yep. It's been a fun run, Paul. <laughs> it's, it's been grand, Paul, but this is it. I'm going to sing the full number from... Um, she loves me. It's been grand knowing you. You know what? The song Paul. is actually fitting. I look at what? Paul Haggis and I'm like, what do you want, Paul? <laughs> what do you want? Because you don't really make it known in your films. True. True. Like, True. so what's that? What it's my gosh, it's been so long. I'm losing it. It's that what's that one concrete goal that motivates all your actions? And he's like, I don't think I have one of those. And I'm like, so then how's anyone supposed to sympathize with you, Paul? literally this movie uh but i wouldn't know paul matthews is still better than paul haggis yeah by a lot i think like i'm trying to think if there is a paul that i think is worse than paul, haggis. paul uh and Catherine the great tread lightly i mean tread lightly is anyone worse than paul haggis i don't know not even paul from Catherine the great because at least he was hot yep well, <laughs> yes, he we was. Really if, we don't know if the real Paul was on. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, this this kid that my sister always complains about. Have you heard the Paul Walker story? Um, yes. Not the actor, but the kid in my sister's like second grade class who was so afraid of fire that when their class took a field trip to Conkey, which first of all, why was their class doing a field trip to a like what is that called? I just lost the word for it. Hibachi. There it is, to a hibachi place. But he was so afraid of fire that they couldn't do the like onion volcano thing. Um, and she still talks about it. My sister is twenty years old. <laughs> Why was your sister's second grade class taking okay, That's what I still haven't figured out. <laughs> you know, being from West Virginia, um, I remember I thought about this recently. Yeah, there's this mound in Charleston, West Virginia. Okay, and okay. I lived there for a year. But for mm-hmm. the first 10 years of my life, I lived in Beckley, West Virginia. Um, and <laughs> we learned about this mound in Ch- Charleston. It's literally a big-ass hill. It's a okay. very big hill that you can't even roll down because oh. you'll land in the street. Because oh. essentially, it was this big-ass mound that when they built Charleston, they were like, oh, we will preserve the mound. And so it's still there. To my knowledge, it was in 2005. And so we talked about this mound for weeks and oh we God. had to make a mound. And I remember my mom bought King's Hawaiian rolls and we stacked them on top of each other and covered them in green dyed butter. And that was my mound. And then we went on a field trip to see this freaking mound. And I remember getting off the bus and being like, it's a hill. <laughs> we drove an hour on a school bus. No, I remember that was the time we got we got a charter bus. We were living large. Oh my god, that was bougie. It was a hill. Um, see, I do think like Kumki sounds like a fun field trip. Yeah, like, at least like, like you'd get hibachi. 
I love that. Right. But also, like, why? Weird place to take second graders, too. I don't, they could have been third graders. I don't remember. Even still, like, people yeah, it's are still weird. knives and, and stuff. I, and kids are. Well, not crazy. like at the people. Well, I know, but like, kids are. Imagine crazy. if you went to Hibachi and they're just like throwing knives like, at axe you. throwing. <laughs> I, I was um, one of those kids that got scared of the fire at Hibachi. I didn't like it. That I tracks. Didn't like how it made my face like, feel warm. Would you have? Would you have not let your whole class have the fire on um, your volcano? No, but one time someone brought their pet rabbit in for show and tell, and I said, "If you bring that near me, I'll die." And so, I was really afraid of rabbits as a child. Actually, I'm just very allergic to rabbits. I my like first grade teacher read Benicula to the class, and I had like a severe phobia of rabbits for a long time. I no, I like them in concept. I just am scared of them. Yeah. But I, lo- I love the idea of it. As long as it's like 10 feet away from me, we're we're great. I love Billy Elliot. <laughs> I think it's a great musical. I would like to see it again. Honestly, same. Bring it back. Let me be Billy Elliot. <laughs> I'd make a great Billy Elliot. I'll, I'll just be one of the one of the minors. <laughs> be one of the minors. I'll be you don't want to be his friend. Oh, that's true. I'll be his friend. Happy friendo. Yeah, I um, top danced for a while. Yeah, I would be a great player. Can you imagine that scene where he's like, Mom would let me do the ballet, and his dad's <laughs> like, Your mother's dead, Billy. And he just immediately erupts into a tap dance. I'd kill it. I'd kill it. I want to I hear you do electricity. Um, I can't really explain it. <laughs> I haven't got the words. No, I want to be Billy Elliot for that scene where he's like, Miss, what am I meant to be doing? I just gave you 50p. Um, if you're listening and you're like, wow, she does great accents. Um, thank you. If you made it this far in the episode and you're still listening, um, please respond to our tweet or Instagram post or something with a um with your favorite song from Billy Elliot. I was just gonna say with like a is there like some sort of dance related emoji with a dance related emoji oh yeah there's plenty of dancing emojis and then we'll know that you're a real one uh this has gone off the rails (laughs) if you're listening tweet me a link to merry christmas maggie thatcher um so i can listen to it iconic as if it's not on my on repeat spotify (laughs) all right well on that anyways note, anyways watch billy elliot not million dollar baby not million dollar baby that's the moral of the story yep um but anyways thank you for joining us for <laughs> the most maybe unhinged episode of best picture rewind um nicole where can people find you on the internet you can find me on twitter instagram and letterboxd at nicole ackman 16 um maybe talking about billy elliot <laughs> You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at I just want to dance at the ballet. Um, <laughs> um, no, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Alexis Willie. No, that's not my name. Lex Willie, W I L L I underscore, and on TikTok at, at @moonshoeslexi. Um, thank you for joining us on this episode of Best Picture Rewind. Um, join us next week where we where we will be talking about a far better movie. Um, that's not, unfortunately, Billy Elliot, but it is uh, <laughs> starring one of my favorite actors, Jimmy Stewart. Love of my life. Um, you can't take it with you. Um, until then, have a good one.